And like I said, if you're not using AI for content creation, you are already behind. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Alison Smith. Alison is an experienced marketing professional who resides in San Diego, California, and currently leads the content marketing team and at Netrodyne. With over 11 years of experience in the B2B space, Alison is an expert in storytelling, content strategy, and SEO optimization. Alison, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Can you please share a few things about these 11 years um, and your journey so far uh, up to the you know point you you joined Naturaldyne? Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I was very lucky uh, early on. I knew exactly what I wanted to do when I was younger. And um, I didn't know the right title or company, but I knew, um, you know, I knew I like to read and write. And I would always look in the magazines and be like, I want to I want to be one of those people that writes those those articles and those columns. And, uh, you know, naturally, as I, I grew in college, I found my way to social media. And that's really where I started my content creation uh, career and kind of naturally followed the path um, up to content marketing, uh, from social media to marketing communications, um, SEO and, and content management, and now to leading a, a content team at, at Netrodyne. And so um, I really had that natural path and that natural creative passion. Um, and so I feel very lucky to, to have been able to do what I always wanted to do. Can you speak about Naturaldyne a bit? Um, first of all, what is Naturaldyne? And uh, who is your typical customer who also gets the most value out of the product? Yeah, so Naturaldyne, it is a, a hardware software product. Um, it is an intelligent AI uh, video safety technology. And in its simplest form, it's a, uh, a dash cam for fleets. So um, when you see the like long haul, short haul trucking, um, you know, on the freeway, on the roads, and they have a dash cam right on their windshield, that's us. And um, that's the hardware. And then there's software that goes along with it. And uh, we serve the transportation industry, which is the backbone of our economy, especially around the holidays when UPS, Amazon workers are going extra hours, and extra miles. Um, and, you know, they need to be safe. And that is our main goal is road safety, fleet safety, driver safety, so that drivers get home safe to their families and everyone else on the road is safe as well. And our technology helps um, helps do that. And so our, um, you know, our audience really are safety managers, fleet managers and, um, and drivers. And uh, we're very, very passionate about keeping the road safe. That's our number one goal. 
is this uh, and like forgive me, I'm asking, but I I really don't know. But is this B two B or B two G also? I mean, do you sell to governments? Um, it is B two B. Yeah, so um, we sell to to other businesses. Um, and like for example, we'll have oil and gas or construction or or school bus. Um, we're actually in like Amazon last mile trucks. So when you see the Amazon last mile delivery trucks in your neighborhood, you can take a peek and see our camera in there. Okay, that makes sense. Um, you were previously at uh, Meltwater, uh, which is a company mm -hmm. I happen to know because we had a, uh, a client in the sort of digital PR uh, space. And my question is, what did you learn uh, there and what learnings did you bring to your current role at Metrodyne? Yeah, so at Meltwater, um, yes, it's marketing, PR, um, digital space. And the the best thing about that was that we were marketing to ourselves, right? Like we were our own customers. So it was really, really fun to be able to um, create content that resonates with our audience because we were the experts at it. And uh, what I really learned there, and as you probably know, Meltwater is a global company. And um, I learned how to operate on a global scale from social to all the way to content production. Um, we were very, very heavy on collaborating and communicating with different teams in, um, in Europe and APAC. And um, that was one of my favorite parts was one, being able to do that and learn, um, you know, how to operate on a global scale, but also to to invest our time and meet new people across the globe. Um and one one important thing that I, I really brought from that role to Netrodyne was a pillar and cluster model strategy for our website. And so when I joined Netrodyne uh, three years ago, actually this December, uh, there was basically no marketing team. And um, there's four of us uh, that had just gotten hired and our website was horrible. Um, it was like, I mean, the branding was off, like there was no strategy. The content that was created was like ad hoc by maybe a product manager. Um, and so I brought a strategy and a pillar cluster model strategy because that was the fastest way to, to get organic traffic and establish authority with Google um, with quality content as well. And so we really started from the basics and I, I learned that at Meltwater, and uh, it was a huge, huge success. Okay, um, that makes sense. Now, I wouldn't call what Netrodyne does as category creation, but the truth is that uh, what you do is quite niche, and as per my understanding, there's no maturity, let's say, in your uh, category. The question is, if that's you know correct, um, the question then is, how do you approach content marketing for such a company when you, yeah. you don't know what you know the paths are or you can't see other examples of companies that have done it before you to say that, okay, I will you know uh, follow their paths? Right, right. Great question. So yes, you know, our industry isn't your typical uh, B2B tech audience. Um, you know, although our tech is sophisticated, um, our audience are primarily drivers and safety managers. And so they are your typical techie people, right? We do have some audience that we target towards a CRO 
um, depending on the size of the company, if it's more of an enterprise like Amazon or Shell or UPS. Um, but our industry is small but mighty. There's basically um, about three big players in in this space. Um, and so we compete with, with two other big players. Um, so connecting with our audience um, and differentiating ourselves is is the, our basically our strategy um, from a humanized perspective. So it really requires you to put yourself in their shoes, understand their pain points, you know, help provide them a solution. And the thing about the transportation industry is that, you know, safety managers and drivers, they've been doing this for 20, 30 years. Like this is their career. And so they know way more than we do, right? So we need to be able to focus less on tofu and awareness content because they already know that kind of stuff. And we need to like really focus more on thought leadership, POV, um, you know, telling them something that they don't know. And so, um, you know, we, we use our internal folks who have a lot of experience in the industry and um, to create this content and, and really understand, you know, what's important to them. Did you face any challenges understanding the vertical? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think really the main challenge is just um, knowing more than our customer. Um, and within our um, industry, there's multiple verticals. So we, um, you know, we serve oil and gas truckers. We serve long haul trucking. We serve food and beverage. We serve um, school, construction, you know, passenger transit. And so each one of those um, transportation verticals requires, they have different needs and they have different pain points. And some of them care more about like compliance scores more than others. Um, for example, um, you know, oil and gas, that's, they're delivering hazardous material. And so they need to be as safe as possible, right? And so they require a really high quality of driver performance. So no speeding, no distracted driving on your cell phone, you know, not following too close, being proactive and, and aware. Um, every driver should be right, but they are delivering hazardous material. So they have to like be on top of their game. Um, and so their pain points are, are much different than other vertical pain points. And so the difficulty is really just um, is get, getting the research down and getting those pain points down of, of what is important to them. Once you get those, um, how do you come up with um, like a topic that you will write about, right? You know what the pain points are, but at the same time, you have to deal with uh, an audience that's like pretty knowledgeable when it comes right. to the stuff that you want to talk about. So how does your topic ideation process uh, look like? Yeah, so great question. Um, you know, this year we really have a heavy focus on thought leadership content and, you know, MoFu and BoFu uh, pieces of content because of that, because our audience knows more than us. And so we want to provide them um, a different point of view on certain topics and and be their source of truth rather than teaching them something and so um, right now, that's how we're deciding on topics and, and the selection process. And we really also are letting our customers 
tell the story as well. Meaning we're utilizing our customer stories, our testimonials, um, our quotes, our driver quotes, and we're using that as content to tell the story of Netrodyne and and hopefully get more customers so that ultimately we can make the road safer. Um, so that's where we are, you know, right now. But um, when I when I first started, you know, we would take year over year data from the website and how content performed the content that was there, um, you know, and what was closing deals. Um, and, and we still do do that, but really the main thing is providing value and that thought leadership. And so it's kind of a combination right now of that thought leadership strategy and then taking our year over year data um, of how well content performed, um, you know, mapping it to the pain points and, um, SEO driven insights are also very helpful in terms of what content performs as well. Can I ask, um, because we're talking about a like knowledgeable, um, audience and you, you want to focus on thought leadership when it comes to, to mm -hmm. content. Um, but it's, it's pretty tough because there are not so many people who can like speak about these things and write about them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so can you talk a bit about how you source and find writers who can actually write this content? Yeah, great question. That um, our industry definitely requires an expertise. And so in order to get that quality thought leadership content, one, we use our internal sources. So we use a lot of folks from the product team, the product marketing team, uh, people who have been with Netrodyne from the start and who have been in the industry for a while to help provide the content, whether it's them writing the pieces of content or helping us decide on an outline and then we assign it to a writer. Uh, we really use our internal sources first and then we go through different channels like third party um, to help, you know, uh, provide credibility to the content and then also you know, with writers, we we really vet them and and make sure that one, they have a really good writing style for B2B tech, which is um, a very, very great quality and sometimes very hard to find. And um, I think a lot of people put that they are, you know, B2B tech writers, but um, there you can really, really tell a difference if, if they're not. And so we we look for that and we also look for um, expertise and and, you know, experience in the industry. And so um, vetting writers is is definitely a, a thorough process and it's not something that's as easy as, um, you know, other other companies I've been at. You have to, we have to really put time and effort into finding the right people to to tell the story. I'd like to comment uh, on, <laughs> on, you know, B2B tech, tech writers. And just for a moment and say that, I don't know, lately I'm thinking that this whole industry is so, you know, commoditized and there are so many people and agencies, consultants, freelancers who um, serve um, this, this industry, like B2B SaaS writer or whatever. Yep. And, you know, this whole thing makes me, makes me wonder, like, is this a good uh, thing? Uh, or we should look for people with, you know, different perspectives who, who don't have experience working uh, or writing 
within a B2B context, right? Because they will bring a fresh perspective that we that we you know that we don't have. And at the same time, that's one thing. The other thing is that you can just say that you are like a B2B SaaS writer because what does that mean? Does it mean that you can write for anything like maritime mm-hmm. analytics? Because you you wrote for a sales CRM, like it it doesn't really make sense, right? I don't know what your thoughts are, but like these are thoughts I've been having lately. Yeah, yeah, I I have a lot of thoughts on that. B two B SaaS writers is is kind of like a generic umbrella term, and I I find that when I am looking for new writers, that's usually uh, a lot of in people's headlines or their overviews, and and when you get to really vetting, it's it's not the quality that you're necessarily looking for. Um, and so I think, you know, gearing towards 2024 in the future, B2B SaaS writers, I think there needs to be a little bit um, more detail there on you know exactly what that means. Um, and to me, that means that they can take a really complex product. Um, and put it in layman's terms. Um, you know, I, I used to work for a data security company. And so understanding, you know, on-premise um, cloud sto- versus cloud storage for, for data is, is a, you know, difficult topic. And, um, you know, you really need to source the experts for it. And not a lot of people are really experts at B2B SaaS writing. And so I think... Um, I think there needs to be some kind of, you know, shift, shift in that. Um, and then you had also mentioned, um, what was the other half that you had mentioned? So the first one was, um, I guess, the fact that we need, or maybe to put it differently, do we really need someone with experience in B2B SaaS? So, the second, the fact that you have done work for and a couple of SaaS companies doesn't mean that you can, like, what does B2B SaaS writer mean? I mean, can you, as I mentioned, can you write for something as niche as like maritime, yeah. maritime analytics or field service management? Most likely no. So mm-hmm. it's better for me to specialize in like very specific areas and say that, you know what, I'm writing for project management SaaS, okay? Mm-hmm. Than to say that, you know, I'm writing yeah. for every SaaS out there. doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the the first half of that, um, I, you know, I am a big proponent of it really depends on their resume, but I, I would hire someone with B2C experience as well as B2B. And, and I say that because I started out in B2C and I think it provides like a fresh perspective, um, and, and how B2C operates versus B2B. Um, and, and the experience that you gain, I think, um, you know, sometimes people are really just looking for B2B and, and don't look between the lines or like look from a holistic perspective of, of the work that was done from a, a B2C company. I, I don't think writers or content managers should be, you know, their resume, resume should be thrown out just because it was B2C. I think, um, I think it's still important to have that mix of, of both. Um, you know, it kind of makes you round well-rounded right um and and i can say that because i i've been there and i've i've done it and um and then the second part to that yeah b2b SaaS writers i think you know my biggest advice would be to um to specialize in an industry and pick an industry that you are knowledge about knowledgeable about 
and have experience with, or if you don't have experience, are passionate about and want to get into and take that and and be B2B tech SaaS writer for, um, you know, data security. Or if it's um, like Netrodyne, uh, you know, transportation technology, um, or if it's like Meltwater, right? Uh, PR analytics um, and, and marketing software. So really taking that industry and attaching it to the B2B uh, SaaS tech writer, I think is what's going to generate a little bit more success and um, from from a writer perspective. I agree. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, we, we touched on your creation process a bit and like ideation, you start from pain points and you also involve people from like within the company to uh, in the, in the creation process. Can we talk a bit about uh, distribution and promotion? Um, how do you approach that and how do you make sure that the content you like produce, um, gets seen? Right. Right. The most important part. Um, so of, of course it's on our website and we also, uh, you know, I work really closely with our performance and ABM team to, to create campaigns. And so with that, we do a lot of email campaigns. Um, we do a lot of organic and paid social campaigns. Uh, we also utilize our, our third-party contacts, and that's huge for us. So we have like basically three big third parties that we do webinars with um, or we'll sponsor certain content in their emails. Um, maybe like sometimes they have a daily digest and we'll put a sponsored blog in there um, and because they have more contacts than we do. And they have been in the industry a lot longer than us. And so they're talking to the people that we want to talk to um, and that we can't reach from an organic um, perspective. So utilizing, you know, that the email campaigns from a paid and organic perspective and, of course, social as well, um, organic and paid social. Right now we we do both. And um, we also host LinkedIn Lives. That's something that we just started this year and um, really quick LinkedIn lives, like 20 minutes because our audience does not want to stay on any longer. And, um, you know, just getting to the point. And, and it's like a monthly thing where we just go over the most important thing from the month and take a topic that really resonates with our, our audience. Um, and we found that boosting those posts help a lot more than from an organic perspective. Um, we've also started a, a customer newsletter this year as well, and um, our customers really appreciate, you know, getting product updates um, and hearing about what's um, improving from our product that can help them. Um, so we use a lot, we, all the different channels. <laughs> Okay, uh, can we talk about the customer newsletter a bit? I mean, is this a branded newsletter? Does it live on the website or is it a complete, completely different entity uh, living somewhere else? Yeah, it does not live on the website. Um, it goes directly to our customers. So we have mid-market and enterprise customers and um, we send them this newsletter once a month and we actually have changed our strategy from once a month to once a quarter. Uh, like I said, we had just started it this year, earlier this year. And so um, at the end of the year, we always evaluate how our projects are going. And we found that it would be more valuable to do our customer newsletter once a quarter. Um, and the reason being is because we could provide better quality content versus trying to find content just to 
put content in, right? That's the number one rule with content. Don't create content just to create it. And we found that we were like stretching our customer newsletter stories a bit too much. And we wanted to be very, very effective and provide a lot of value. And doing that was a, on a quarterly basis. And we mapped that to our roadmap. And I work really closely with the customer success team, the sales team, and our product team to develop the stories in the customer newsletter. Um, we really want it to be less markety, right? Um, you know, there are certain things we care about, like our blog or webinar, and you know, we want to get more engagement and and you know, maybe um, more referrals, right? But they don't care about that. And that's the feedback that we've gotten. Um, and so we've, we really switched our gears and now we're like, okay, well in your portal, this, this is new, right? This is new about the product. This is coming out. Um, things like that, that actually, actually serves them rather than a blog post. Okay. That's interesting. And it's not something, I mean, it's maybe the first time I share something like this in the podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm referring to the customer newsletter. The question yeah. is, I'm hearing all these different initiatives and different like platforms of, uh, or vehicles for communicating the value of what you do, uh, either to a customer or, you know, a prospective customer or uh, like, you know, your general audience. The question is, how do you measure the effectiveness of that? Because I'm assuming that you, you're using different metrics to measure the, 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 the value of like the, the customer newsletter as opposed to like writing a blog post for search or like creating something that's specific to social media. Yeah. Yeah. So how we measure for, uh, you know, customer newsletter, because they're already our customers, right? So, um, so there's no necessarily ROI from it, but it really, the ROI is more of a long-term longevity of, of being their source of truth and trusted partner. And so we measure our success you know, from a metric perspective of open rate um, and then, you know, in Pardot in um, Salesforce, you can see how they interacted with the stories and you can see what stories are most clicked on, the click-through rate. Um, and we also have a call to action at the, the end of a referral program. And so it, we provide an incentive where um, if they refer another fleet, then they get a certain amount of um, of money and X, Y, Z. And so um, we also take a look at that and see how many um, of those forms were filled. But really, it's it's our open rate. And then I also talk to the sales team as well. And I'm, I really communicate with them heavily and see what their customers think of the newsletter. Um, surveys are very, very helpful too when it comes to customer newsletters and customer content, um, you know, to gauge if these stories are valuable to them. And so kind of a combo of surveys, talking to the sales team, um, if, you know, our customers will definitely tell us what they think. Um, they'll go out of their way to do that. We don't necessarily have to poke and prod them. Um, but yeah, from in Pardot, you can see what stories were, were most popular your open rate, your read rate, um, things like that. As we are uh, nearing the end of this episode, I would like to shift gears a bit and discuss, uh, you know, what everyone uh, discusses in this industry uh, nowadays, which is AI. Um, and my question to you is, what are your thoughts on it first? And then 
Um, have you found any like use cases, good use cases for content marketing and your uh, role? Yeah, so I actually just went to an SEO um, uh, uh, conference here in San Diego, and the main focus was AI and with content creation, content strategy, and and like SEO templates. And so it was really, really interesting to learn more about AI and and the future of content. And but it's you know interesting because if you're not using AI for content creation, you're already behind. Um, I don't think it's something that's in our future. I think it's something that's here and now. And if you're not using it, you are already behind. Um, and, you know, we use an AI content tool. It's called Jasper. And from, you know, my research using an AI tool versus just human approach, you generate 25% more content creation. Um, this doesn't mean that the AI content should not be reviewed by a human. Uh, the key to creating, to get your AI to create good quality content is providing a good quality outline. And that's gonna, like, if you spend your time on the outline um, and the logistics of it, like you tell it its tone of voice, who you're trying to reach, you really spend a lot of time on that outline and, and template and information that you're serving it you'll get a much better piece of, of content than just um, kind of letting it do its thing. And at the end, when it, it when it does generate a blog post or, or an email or whatever you're, you're asking it to do, um, you do need to review it. And one, you know, there's, there's risk that come to it. Um, the first thing is the accuracy. So is the information that the AI tool is writing about accurate, you know, from a data perspective, um, does it match your, your brand voice, who your like your audience, you know, is it, um, does it match that brand voice? And then also, um, you know, what's the quality of the content? Does it make sense when you read it through? Um, you really need to do a human review at, at the end. Don't just take the piece of content it writes and put it on your website, but, um, it helps me a lot to generate really good quality content. And like I said, if you're not using AI for content creation, you are already behind. What else do you see? Um, what, like, if you were asked to paint a picture of how the future looks like for SaaS content marketing, what else would you say is uh, in that picture or would be in that picture? Yeah. So I first think, you know, AI and automation are really just going to grow stronger. And so right now we're seeing the basics of it. Um, and so I'm excited to see how it grows and how it progresses and and what else it can do. Um, I also think, you know, for the future for content marketing, it's really gonna be more personalization and criteria-based um, content. Uh, so really personalizing your content and, and focusing on the intent and um, at this SEO conference I went to, there was a heavy emphasis on creating content with intent. Um, and so I think that in, in personalizing your content is is key for 2024. Um, and I also, you know, in my research, I, I believe that criteria-based content is, is important too. And what I mean by that is not necessarily criteria for your persona, but criteria for the platform. 
So criteria that LinkedIn or YouTube or Facebook um, or or your website is requiring um, and, and tailoring the content based on the criteria of the platform and, and how the platform is growing and, and what it needs. So um, I also read too in an article um, that voice search is is in our near future. And I actually had read that a couple years ago, um, but I haven't seen a lot of, of movement on it. So I'm interested to see if if that's really going to come true, if, you know, if or not. Um, but voice search, you know, meaning, you know, using Alexa's or um, Am- Apple's products. Um, and so that's going to re- require more conversational content. Um, but that is something I've been hearing for a couple of years, so I'm not sure if it's going to make it into 2024, but we'll see. There are many, uh, next big things, uh, especially, you know, I'm in this industry for fewer years. I mean, even half the years that you had in this industry. Uh, but I've seen like voice search was one of the things that was supposed to be, you know, mm-hmm. like this is coming. And so be prepared. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm a bit skeptical about most of these things nowadays. Um, not that things won't yeah. change, and I always welcome you know any change. Um, but if it's for you know the better uh, and the improvement of things, but I don't know. I just want to wait a bit until I say that yeah, yeah this is indeed a, a you know a thing we should like uh, do or not. Um, right. Well, yeah, and I think it depends on the industry too. Right. Like, I don't know if our industry would really um, do well with with that. But, you know, other industry might. So we'll be waiting to see. Yes, that's right. So, uh, Alison, that was very insightful. Very nice episode. Nice flow. Uh, Well done. And last question I asked to all guests, where can people find out more and get in touch with you if they'd like to? Yeah, you can find more about Netrodine at netrodine.com. And for me specifically, you can go to my LinkedIn. We will drop it in the show notes. Alison, thank you very much. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and having me on. Another episode of the SaaS SEO show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.